Section 10 of The History Teacher's Magazine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. The History Teacher's Magazine, Volume 1, Number 2, October 1909. Section 10. English History in the Secondary School. C. B. Newton, Editor roman numeral two the development of the english nation to edward i feudalism one way to get at it it seems to me better not to grapple with feudalism until the rage of the conquest is fairly past and we come to the actual reign of william i partly because we have our hands full before this in trying to instill a reasonably clear idea of the saxon forms of government and partly because it is not very clear just how early feudal forms and customs began to be disseminated throughout england so we may as well merely mention their existence before the norman regime and not explain them fully till we are called on to show what modification in the continental system was made by the conqueror the feudal system is so difficult to define briefly that most textbooks evade the attempt to do so i believe however in introducing even so large a subject as this with a terse definition such for example as feudalism was a method of land ownership and government common throughout europe during the middle ages it does a boy or girl no harm to learn a short statement like this even though it means little to him or her at first it serves as a rallying point for explanation its terms are pegs on which to hang further details in orderly fashion to explain more concretely just what i mean suppose we take the above definition any other would do and see how we may proceed with it in the classroom so as to light it up with real meaning a let us say has recited the definition glibly having taken it down in his notebook the day before, with instructions to learn it by heart. Now, A, says the astute teacher, do you understand what that means? Not exactly, hesitates A. If he is ingenuous, if he isn't, he may easily be confounded. Good, you reply, in one stroke, commending his honesty and showing that you do not expect bricks without straw. Let's see if we can't get at its meaning does your father own any land a surprised look and pricking up of ears in the class no well he rents your home then yes but somebody owns it of course and how did he get it bought it probably do you know of any way of getting land except by buying or renting it voice from an excited hand across the room how about wills yes land may be inherited but it had to be bought once didn't it well you continue to a and the class this buying or renting for money is our method of land ownership do you see now did you ever hear of a man's being in congress or the legislature or being a judge simply because he owned or rented a certain amount of land certainly not men are elected or appointed to places in our government land ownership and government are separate matters just think how different it was in old england and throughout europe for that matter in feudal times men held high position in the nation largely because of their great estates 
together with their prowess in war now instead of buying or renting land how would your landlord or your father have got it say in the reign of william the first eh from the king or from some big noble right you are but how for nothing no in return for fighting for him yes and on a few other conditions they are given in your book what were they x what asleep forgotten see tell us so you proceed to draw out the details of homage fealty and service the theory of royal ownership the terms suzerain vassal fief etc drilling in the unfamiliar words by frequent use comparing them as far as possible with present terms and usages and bringing out by contrast and comparison the essentials of the whole system finally you show that the system was universal throughout christendom explain what the middle ages were if a c or x can't and point out the adaptability of feudalism to the time when you have finished this your period will have flown lucky if the bell does not ring too soon and your mere definition will mean something to all but your dullest pupils on pages one thirty one to one thirty six of cheney's readings are some excellent practical details of feudal procedure which will be found useful for examples a logical approach to the origins of the jury did you ever stop to think how little your intelligent pupil understands about some present-day institutions the origins of which interest us because we appreciate their modern practice and significance take for example the jury a little questioning will bring out whether or not your class knows the difference between a trial jury and a grand jury either in makeup or in functions unless you are more fortunate than i have been you will find they know very little now does it not seem an illogical absurdity to wade right into the beginnings of the jury system in the days of henry the second when our class has little or no notion of what the system is now or what it stands for when we come to this point therefore in the epoch-making reign of king henry the second it is pertinent and profitable to digress into a clear discussion of the jury of to-day bringing out what knowledge we can find in the class and adding to it by such socratic method of question and answer as we may have used in connection with feudalism rather than by giving a talk on the subject after paving the way in this fashion we may start in with the assize of clarendon cheney's readings pages one forty one to one forty two and the distinction between recognitors and presentment so we shall emphasize the essential facts and also bring out the similarity and the difference between the germ and the present fruit of this ancient method of arriving at justice some great personalities i think it is helpful to the memory and useful because of the great influence of the crown throughout english history to bring out the personality of every sovereign so that the names of each dynasty will not be a list of names and nothing more but in every century we shall find certain great personalities either on the throne or off it which should be made as vivid as may be to this rule the eleventh and twelfth are no exception there are five men in these centuries which seem to me particularly worth dwelling on william the first and henry the second surely two of the really great kings of england becket and langton types of great churchmen 
and exemplars of the enormous power of the church and simon de montfort highest type among the early nobility vivid word pictures of the conqueror may be found in freeman's norman conquest volume two pages one hundred six to one thirteen and shorter in green's short history pages seventy four to seventy six henry the second is portrayed by a contemporary cheney's readings pages one thirty seven to one thirty nine and in green pages one o four to one o five becket is described by green page one o six and a good story of his relation to henry the second is told in cheney page one forty four for langton see green pages one twenty six to one twenty seven for simon de montfort see green one fifty two to one fifty three or cheney pages two twenty one to two twenty four further notes and references there is a good brief account of general conditions church and state development of learning town and country life architecture etc pages one sixty five to one seventy one of gardner's students history if one can get the time a reading or re-reading as the case may be of green's short history on the towns pages ninety two to ninety four literature pages one seventeen to one twenty one and the universities pages one thirty two to one forty one is exceedingly refreshing cheney's readings also contain interesting quotations on the universities pages one eighty eight to one ninety five in bringing out the causes of the controversy over the constitutions of clarendon it is appropriate to quote william the conqueror's edict cheney pages one o nine to one ten in support of becket's contention as well as to read from the constitutions themselves cheney pages one forty six to one fifty if one has time for a little touch of humor and human nature in the classroom not strictly important in itself the account of the bishop's speeches before the pope in connection with the quarrel with becket is most amusing cheney pages one fifty one to one fifty four for a very full and interesting account of feudalism see beard's introduction to english historians pages seventy three to ninety six shorter quotations giving some interesting detail have already been referred to cheney pages one thirty one to one thirty six a clear account of the government of england as established under the normans is contained in chapter seventeen of the normans in europe in the epics of history series pages two thirty four to two forty eight the early plantagenets in the same series is concise and useful for sidelights on john's and henry the third's reigns on the magna carta and on the origin of parliament beard's introduction pages one ten to one twenty three and one twenty four to one thirty eight respectively contains a mine of valuable comment in connection with the famous parliament of twelve sixty five the fact that parliament was not really a legislative body at this time should be strongly emphasized for realism i know nothing better than the graphic account in the anglo-saxon chronicle of the evils of stephen's reign cheney pages one twenty eight to one thirty or more briefly green page one o three the only good novel which i know of in this period i should be glad to hear of others is maurice hewlett's richard yea and nay a wonderfully vivid book 
but hardly suitable to put in the hands of young folk in general. End of section 10